Hey, what's going on, people? It's Last Name Good of the Straight Out the Damn Podcast. And today we have a uh, special guest in the building. Um, I'm trying to think where do where did we first meet? It's been mm. a minute. Maybe A3C 2016. It's been it's been it's been a minute. And uh we've we've crossed paths in in a couple of places. But if you don't recognize the voice, it's the homie D Horton in the building. How you doing, bro? Man, what's good with it? What's happening out there, world? Glad to be here. Cool and cool and man. I feel like this conversation is long overdue. Word, it is. Long overdue. Um D Horton was uh, also on the the, the last uh Dead Music Fest. Facts. Uh he killed that. <laughs> um definitely had an electrifying performance. Uh so that's that's great. You know, we always want a great performance. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Nah, it was epic, man. Like the energy in there. I feel like people was waiting on me to come up. And as soon as we got on stage, you know, I feel like uh the, the crowd was swelling almost so you mm -hmm. know it was, it was a great experience for sure definitely definitely man so you know with this podcast what we do is kind of walk people through it's um really providing a platform for artists you know to, to give them the chance to not only tell their stories but we also talk about how to survive on this indie circuit because we right. know like this is not a walk in the park type thing Absolutely. you know what i mean so for you where where's d horton where is the the start for d horton yeah, so uh, musically, I mean, obviously, I'm from uh, Columbus, Mississippi. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in between Columbus, Mississippi and Atlanta. But my family, everybody's from Columbus, Mississippi, so that's my home. Uh, so coming from there, you know, you get this, like, underdog mentality, even from being from Mississippi, period. Work. It's just, like, people just, when I go visit other places, it's like, oh, man, they still hanging people down there and all that, which, you know, crazy thing is, some of those stereotypes are actually still true. You know, they are doing yeah. crazy stuff in Mississippi, but... You know, they think that you're behind, like you're stuck in the past. So uh, when I began rapping in 2012, 2000, late 2011, early 2012, I just didn't have a lot of, like, Mississippi identification. We had Crip. We got mm -hmm. David Banner. Obviously, there's, like, legends and other facets of music. But right, as far right. as hip-hop is concerned, you know, in comparison to the West Coast and the East Coast, right, you know, right. we don't have that pl plethora of artists to pull from. So I just drew my... Uh, music inspiration from the internet and Word. Uh, you know grateful that i grew up in a time in which we always had a computer it was normal to at least be able to go to the library so i can go illegally download all the wayne <laughs> albums all the kanye you know right, so, right 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 and i just took that and i built a sound that uh is nurtured it's naturally mississippi but i nurtured it through the internet and i just feel like you can just do what you want to do in our generation so you know, I find you saying that's very unique because uh, we are in a space where you can find music anywhere, right? Absolutely. But the fact that, you know, being from a place where there's not a lot of identity music-wise, like you said, right. I mean, there's when you say Mississippi, mm -hmm. of course, we think crit. Right. And then we kind of have to scratch our head and then be like, oh, yeah, David Banner. Right, And then right, after right. that, you kind of like... Yeah, you're like Ray Shremmer. You know, and I mean, there's more people who are from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they might claim where they grew up from or whatever, you know, but I mean, majority of the artists and the roots of music in general comes from Mississippi. Right. It's just hip hop when it comes to like me wanting to do hip hop mm -hmm. and be on like boom bap beats and be like have lyrical content. That's not like necessarily the norm in Mississippi yeah, or yeah. found, you know, in a lot of places. So that's what I meant by that. Have you found it challenging now that that's your, your uh, production choice, being in, especially being an artist that, you know, you might be from Mississippi, but you're right. you're you're here in Atlanta, and you don't. That's not the at the forefront. 
you know, have you had yeah. any? I mean, it blends in with the challenges. Um, it's one of. It's not the biggest challenge. I actually, you know, I think it gives you a platform to kind of be, you know, uh, stand out almost because if there is a norm or if there is a style of music that's popular at the time and you're not doing that, if you're good enough, then you'll be like the only one in the room. Or mm -hmm. if I have a performance with five other people, I might be the only person who's talking about, you know, lyrical content or, you know, empowering black people or whatever, whatever the case may be. So you just it's just about making good music. You know, it doesn't matter what you do like obviously right, we're watching right. people break the rules j cole just got a hit single it's not yeah. a club hit it's not a you know 808 heavy um bpm perfect song but you know it's good so it works you so you found a way to exist and and also what i'm hearing the, the most important part is you you found a way to just be you right in the midst of all of that um i'm trying to think man and, and i'm drawing a blank the the first time I heard the music, but I, I can definitely tell you, um I feel have you ever performed Secret Stages stages? Yeah, yeah. In Birmingham, yeah. That might have been the first time because I, I did media there like three maybe three years ago. Yep. Uh Eugenius from Birmingham. Shout, Shout out to, to that Eugenius, whole club. Yeah. Um That might have been where it was yep, at. Yep, No Sir Foster and Love yep. More and all those and uh Club AM and you know a list of a plethora of people who have adopted me in Birmingham mm -hmm. and so they've um either brought me out on their stage or right. this past year I had my own stage out there and uh Birmingham's always showing love so definitely secret stages was that that might have been where it was yeah, at. for sure because I was you know it for y'all that have never seen um D Horton perform he he's gonna stand out I'm just gonna say that and the reason why is because it's it's natural energy number one like you have a natural energy about yourself and the truth is if you want me to be all the way like honest, like a lot of people don't know how to perform. Right. So when you run across somebody that actually knows how to perform, you mm -hmm. stand out amongst the rest of the people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a thing. A lot of people just get into rap and they just know how to rap and then they fall into performing and now they got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. For me, I was performing way before I was rapping. You know, I was definitely, my father's a pastor. Okay. So I was always, you know, leading the choir or- Word. Doing a Easter speech or the Black History Month speech at my school, I was like student body, Mr. You know Columbus High and all that good stuff and president of this and all that. So I was just in front of the crowds in a show choir, mm. uh, doing freaking numbers to Annie and all the kind of classical music and stuff like that. Just because I don't, I've never shy. I don't like uh, get afraid on the stage. That's actually where I feel most comfortable because it's just like, nah, I'm up here. I don't got to fight for y'all attention because y'all going to look at me because I'm on stage. So I'm just going to give y'all what I got. That's dope to hear, like, because um, I was going to ask, like, the performing, where, what did you do to performing early at? But a lot of people start in the church, man. A lot of people Yeah, man, in from Mississippi. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to so definitely go to choice. church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Yes, sir. Two or three times a week, too. Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for you, like, you're you're... You seem to me like this is the first time we had a time to like really sit down and talk. But mm -hmm. you seem to me as somebody that um, you you number one you care about the craft, but also you study. You study. Yeah, uh, man. What's that artist that you saw and made you realize like that you could do this too? Uh, Kanye for sure, a thousand percent. Because just in my, if you think about my age, um, you know, if you're in the mid twenties. You could say you like I remember Tupac, but I don't remember I got the you. word. Like I, I had to go back 
my older cousins was playing it, so I just wanted to be cool. And mm-hmm. they was listening to like early Hot Boys, and you know, um, the thirty year old generation is listening to that and understanding. I wasn't understanding. I right, just was right. listening to it because that's what they playing. But this is my Little Wayne, mm. Kanye West, Fifty Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. This is like my seventh and eighth grade experience. Got you. Okay. You know, Lil Wayne is heavily my eighth grade, my seventh grade experience because it's just like the heat on it's duffel bag boy and it's right, right. all lollipop and whatever, you know, coming out, you know, so um but Kanye, man, just two thousand three, college dropout, you know, he was he ain't killed nobody or <laughs> right, he ain't really right. seen like, you know, whatever. We all probably sold a little ounce or whatever, sold a little three five, but he wasn't no he yeah. didn't get on by selling drugs or whatever, because even Nas and Jay Z are you know, Tupac is Thug Life, and Biggie is, you know, his stories are, are like, really crazy, but they are real stories. Real stories, yeah. DMX is, you know, all these gods of rap come from, you know, turmoil right, you know, in right. the neighborhoods. You know, I, I didn't grow up, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. I'm from Columbus, you know, don't get it twisted. It's very tough there, but I'm, I got parents. My parents care about me, my family care about me, and, you know, my pops a pastor, and you know, we went through our struggles too, but I wasn't raised like that. I was raised, you know, the right way. My parents raised me right. So I wasn't able to like say I could do this, what Nas was doing. I didn't mm. want to talk about <laughs> crack sales. Right, right, right. You know, because I didn't experience that. You know, whatever I did was light in comparison to that kind of stuff. So Kanye was the first time I'm like, oh, your son is just doing poetry, right, talking about his right. faith. And I could do that. Uh, you know, I, I I respect you for saying what you just said, and right. the reason why is because we know hip hop can come off as as tough right. at times, right? And the fact that you're not shying away, like, no, this is how I grew up. This is this is who I am. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. don't get it twisted. Like, you have you got to be affiliated with one gang or another, depending on what side of town you're on. In my right, city. right. And you got and you know we definitely had a gang violence you know in high school was like the toughest turmoil of gang violence in my city during my high school years and all that but I always been I always felt like I had people who would protect me and look out for mm-hmm. me without having to be affiliated with anything without having it so because of that God blessed me to live to live a life as a leader instead of a follower because I felt confident that somebody would have my back so like you know I avoided so much sports. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can hoop or you can play football, then you don't got to be in a gang or, you, you know, it's all good. You don't got to do the drive-bys yeah, and all that. So you, so you did play sports? Yeah, right? I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer. Okay. Like, you know, it's a small town. It's like that or this. Mm, mm. And you, okay, I got you. Got you. So I, I, I kind of want to get into a little sports talk, but I don't. You said baseball, and, and I'm I'm always proud to see other brothers that play baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah I played baseball all the okay. way through high school, yeah. That's, that's dope to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what position? Left field. Left field. Okay. Yeah. Cat, oh. Little catcher, little left field. Okay. Uh, uh, I pitched okay. like. Everybody pitched, bro. Like it went one nah, time. No, high school. I pitched in high oh, okay, school. Okay, never mind. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I pitched high school too, but yeah. it was like one game. It went. It didn't really oh, count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, <laughs> nah. I went in the rotation. Nah, I was in the rotation. I was in the rotation. <laughs> I wasn't elite. Nah, we had some great pitchers on yeah, our team. Yeah, I just, yeah. uh, you know, I would, I would come in, you know, uh, obviously you got pitch counts and you got stuff yeah, like absolutely. that. So, you know, I would come in basically just to cruise through a, a, a light week or something like yeah. that. That's yeah, but left man. field was my starting, you know, where I started position. I played third, man. Mm-hmm. Third, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's dope, man. I'm, I'm always excited to see other brothers that play baseball because people try to act like baseball ain't popping. Y'all nah, if I have a son, man, I'm definitely going to try to, you know, whatever heart 
wherever you love, you love. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to make them play any sport, but I'm definitely going to lend baseball <laughs> into the picture. There you go. Because, like, it's like, you know, they're obviously going to look at LeBron and they're mm-hmm. going to obviously look at Todd Gurley and, and Ezekiel Elliott and all that. Right, right, right. But, baseball you know, with them longevity checks, and long money. Yeah. Baseball with them checks. Like, you can play baseball for 20 years, man. It just man. <laughs> And just bank. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I want to kind of get back into it, though, because um, we're talking about your career now and, and the the phases. And like I told you with this podcast, we really try to give people advice on how to survive on this any circuit, man. So, like, for you specifically getting into this game and understanding that it's more than just posting your music. Right. Like, at what point did you realize that this is going to be some hard, like, really hard work and it's not what I – may have thought it was from the outside looking in um when i moved to atlanta probably uh because i didn't get content in mississippi but i felt like i wore my welcome out fast because i hit the ground full speed like i was throwing first pop-up shops in cities and i was booking other artists Mm -hmm. you know um to be on the bill with me in mississippi and i had done it's only so many markets so i had done it in Jackson, in Hasburg, in Starkville, in Oxford, so many times that at this point it's like there's no draw because you just saw me last month, or you saw just saw you, me yeah. in Starkville, or you know. Um, so when I moved to Atlanta, it was like starting over because mm. even though I put all those four or five years of work in in Mississippi, they don't count when you come out here. Like nobody remember you, yeah, unless <laughs> they're from Mississippi. So right, right. Um, and I didn't. It wasn't that it got harder. It's just because that's when people start, like, you know, being like, man, this is just a lot. I'm getting older, like, you know, and so the team just starts, you know, uh, there's no, like, hard feeling. I didn't have no bad breakups or nothing like that, but it's just life. Right, right, right. Uh, as the years roll along, you know, people have their own thing or whatever. Um, so definitely understandable, but then that's when you get to a point where you're going to commit to it or not, and you're going you're gonna to be like, all right, I'm going to do this, or I ain't going to waste no more time in this. And I just got to that point, and after that, it's just, like, been blinders because I'm like, I these are years that I've sacrificed time. I've taken away from my family, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, been away from my family and missed family reunions and holidays and stuff like that, trying to go to a show. Um, I wouldn't want to waste my time doing that without seeing it all the way through. And I feel, I truly believe that I'm talented enough to figure it out. Yeah, that's that's um the the question that I that I I really want want to ask, um, especially with you not being from here mm-hmm. and coming here. What was it? What you thought it was gonna be? Well, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta. Okay. Um, my, my pops um, coached football at Morris Brown. My mom went to Clark Atlanta. Uh, my grandma out here, and uh, you know, like I, I was out here all my life. Uh, obviously, as a kid. Uh, but from a rapping perspective. But from a rap perspective, yeah. I knew that uh, it was like a mecca, a small mecca in the South. Uh, way more than Memphis and Houston, which are what I remember. Especially with A Ball, MJG, and right. Three Six Mafia, and then Scarface, and all you know, whatever going on out there in Houston, I, that's that's what I remember like back in the day in Miami, and now Atlanta, like since the turn of two thousand, has become even when under three thousand and were out, they were like, you know, y'all want to hear what the South got? You know, now mm-hmm. it's like this is the mecca. This is where people come to break their records. Seriously, right. it's not New York, it's not LA, it's Atlanta. You go to the strip club, you come break your records, and that's just how it works now. And I knew that because of that, it was going to be saturated. And uh, so from the outside looking in, I just was like, let me take advantage of what people might not take advantage of. Mm. Because when you have it all your life, 
or when it's readily available for you, like studios, like people are like, man, I don't want to go to the studio. I'm like, bro, imagine being, the, being you got to book one day a week on the studio because the calendar is full because it's one studio right. in the north state, north half of Mississippi. Yeah, that now that's something that I, I haven't thought about because like, I'm, I'm from Macon. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour away. Right, right, but, right. But, you know, I I was born here, spent time here early and then came here for college and haven't left. But right, right. That is one thing. Like for me, I, I took that for granted because I grew up with a dad that was in the music, so I mm-hmm. always had equipment. Right. It right. didn't cross my mind that like this was a commodity, bro. That's like, why David Banner is a producer, Ray Shrummer's yeah. producers, Big Crit producers, because like, where you gonna go? Right, right, right. You had to figure that out. And so to come up here and there's so many places to record and, and you know everybody has a studio. Yes, you have that opportunity there, but once again, you, I mean, that's with venues, with labels. Like, mm-hmm. this is not something that you could do in Mississippi. You can't go to this venue and be like, man, I got 200 coming out. How can we work it out? It's right. like a venue on every corner in Atlanta. It's places yeah. where people are like, man, I don't want to perform there. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, we perform in barns and yeah, sheds yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. barbershops. Say whatever. Wherever we can get speakers set up and, and the firemen not to come shut it down there. We're performing there in Mississippi and, like, you can't go to no record heads. You can't mm. like you can go to like three radio stations in the state and pray that somebody hear from our state. Mm. That's you know, there there's there is some beauty in that. Um, but also you can get super comfortable, like you said, like and, yeah. and especially being here because I mean even I personally said like no I don't want to do nothing here. No, nah, it's happening and um you know it's it's driving a false competition like mm. people competing for that one radio spot or that like you know it's. The amount of people in Atlanta is almost equivalent to the amount of people in the entire state of Mississippi. So it's like, why are we fighting each other over this when we should be trying to break out of this bubble? Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you get a little backlash if you leave or you like, oh, he, you think you're going to be good because you went to Atlanta. I'm just like, no, I'm thinking that ain't no record heads here. Ain't no label heads here. So until then, let me go find them. Yeah. You're somebody, an artist that understands the importance of touring and going to different markets right right and i for one can say that out of the artists that i talk to one thing that they find out to be super important is that yeah you can be in atlanta atlanta is the mecca and there's a lot going on here but the minute you get out of here and go somewhere else yeah your eyes are open right it's like oh wow right and and you find out how much weight atlanta actually carries too because you tell people yeah yeah i'm from atlanta and they're like your word, like you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just different. That's you know, I, it's one of those things that I think every artist needs to experience. Like, just leave wherever you are and go somewhere else. You and got perform. to, man. And the beauty of that is, you build uh, resources and a network, absolutely, uh, that you're gonna need. And I, I promise you, I've seen so many people flame. This is what isn't what I feel is pivotal about my career. Okay. Um, like uh, we talked to Capital, and we talk, you know, we talked to other people. I don't even want to start doing that. Yeah, but yeah. we talked to people. If they came in right now and it worked for a year and it flamed out, I have a foundation. J Cole had a foundation. Right, like, right. Chance the Rapper had a foundation to where it's like I'm not gonna flame out and now I'm done because all they knew was what the label showed them, and the label <laughs> don't support it no more. Like, right, no, nah, right. I still got five thousand, ten thousand people across the world. Mm-hmm. Who already feel like I'm the best rapper in the world? They already feel like I should be compared to Kendrick and J Cole. They just feel like nobody know about that. They're not gonna leave if the label leave. Right, right. That's why Crit is still surviving now because he built such a foundation. I think that going on the road to these mm-hmm. B cities, yeah, um, 
you know, I built a beautiful tour, Birmingham's and Tallahassee's and Baton Rouge and Nashville, Tennessee. And that's not Atlanta. That's not LA. Yeah. It's not Houston or New York, but I can, I can get 150 people out there, sell some merch. And I put some money in my pocket. And now every time I go to that city, it's more people. It's like, they really love me. They don't get to see exactly. everybody. Like we in Atlanta, and that's what I'm trying to tell you is like it, out here is just the beautiful thing about it is also a curse. Absolutely. You get so used to seeing these people at the mall, mm-hmm. used to seeing <laughs> this radio head, used to seeing this label head that you don't even take advantage of the opportunity when it's right down your face. You're like, man, I don't right. want to like no sucker walking up to him in the club. I'm like, man, right. I ain't going to never see this nigga again <laughs> in my life. I'm about to go be like, look, bro, I know you drunk. I know it's lit. Yeah. Just if any if there's any inclination that this might be a wise decision in your head, like you got a feeling mm-hmm. or you tingling in the back of your neck right now, whatever it is, that right, give you like right. a sign like, oh, let me check this kid out, man. He, he a little different. Just try it. Try it. And if you try it, anybody. And that's what, I, that's what I'm confident in. Like, we go talk to Dr. Dre or anybody, they're going to like what they hear. They're going to like what they hear. That, that's that, that confidence in it, man. And you got to have some level of confidence. If not, you really... Shouldn't be doing this, but that's, right. a, that's yeah, another definitely. conversation. That's another <laughs> conversation. You um you did a, a project um man I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it was dedicated Dungeon Family Outcast. Yeah, 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 Dungeon Baby, Dungeon yeah, Baby, Dungeon that's Baby, yep. yeah, Dungeon mm-hmm. Baby. Um, all right, so I'm I'm a Dungeon Family head, so facts. When I saw it, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, where are you going there with it? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. To listen to it and know that oh, you not only did you go there, but you made it special. Yeah, you know yeah, it I mean? was special that, for me. That was important for me. Right. How how uh, much of an influence is Dungeon Family just in, in your whole like at artistry and all together? All the influence mm. out like not just music, just how I live my life, how I carry right. myself. Um, it's like CeeLo Green is the first person to ever put me on stage. A word. Like seven years old. Okay, hold on. Stop in the story. Tell right. us that. Seven so years Morris, old. My dad was defensive line, middle linebacker coach at Morris Brown, 97 through 99. Y'all okay. remember Freak Nick was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morris Brown, college, you know, college Park, Clark Atlanta. It's mm-hmm. going crazy. We lived in Sarah Allen Quads. That's where the football players stayed at. My dad was a, um, what do you call it, a residence mm-hmm. person who lived in the dorm as well. Yeah, yeah. So... He coaching and living with the football players and all that. So basically, my room is on Martin Luther King Street in South Atlanta. <laughs> if you look out there, you see the YMCA across the street. I used to yeah. go to Centennial Place uh, Private School, uh, sponsored by Georgia Tech. And so when Freak Nick was here in 98, 97, 98, yeah. 98, Freak Nick 98, I think. That was, was the last, last year. Like last yeah. year. And this is when BMF had like the, all the black navigators tinted <laughs> out and they riding through. Like I remember this vividly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they had a performance. Bronner Brothers was a fashion show at Morris Brown mm. during that week. CeeLo Green performed. Closet Freak was a single out at the time. And I just was the football mascot. Because oh, again, okay. I lived there. Yeah, and I was yeah. a kid. I was a young football player. My pops. And he the defensive line linebacker coach. So he the rowdy coach. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm his son. you know. So I'm the mascot. And That's just dope. like, they, they in there partying. They got me with them. Um, one kid from Ohio played tight end. His name was Jock. He always carried me around like all that, whatever. So they just passed me around like a little volleyball. And yeah. then CeeLo, like, see me turned up with this football players. He put me on stage. I'm just standing on the speaker. Yeah, that's dope. I got pictures of it and everything. Yeah. I had on, like, some Mecca overalls, some Timberland oh, boots. Man. Yeah, yeah, I remember it, man, vividly. Dude, yeah. so, like, that, that, those are those moments, like, full circle moments right. for real. Yeah, he probably don't even remember that. But the fact that, like, as a kid, mm. you know, 
you looking up like these are superheroes because I seen them on TV. It don't even matter what this song about. I don't even right, you know what right, saying? Right. like Closet Freak. I revisited, but at the time you didn't care. It's just yeah. I don't care about none of that. <laughs> and um, and then you know, like I said, with my parents being religious and my mom, my my mom being a first lady and my my pops being a pastor, mm -hmm. um, they definitely let me choose what I wanted to choose. But right. they were like, you know, wanted me to lay off of the Biggie and the DMX, which I naturally. Cause my older cousins, I'm like, I want to hear this. I want to hear mm -hmm. it. it's dark and hell is hot and all that. Right, right, they right. like, nah, go. You can listen to Kanye, listen to Outkast. Cause now nah, don't get it twisted. Yeah, it's, it was two dope boys in a Cadillac, but it was more fun and just telling the story of it. It wasn't like I got you. Know, you. So. I, I I did want to ask that too though. You know, cause you you speak pretty highly of your parents and, and mm -hmm. with your dad being a pastor, yeah. um, having that. Because, you know, parents, what you find out when you get older is right. parents just really just want the best for you. Right, right, right. It's not that they don't want you to do something. Mm -hmm. They're just saying, like, from their life experiences, that wasn't the right thing to do. Right. You know, and so they're just trying to help you out. They're not really trying to discourage you, but they're just yeah, trying yeah. to put their truth on you or whatever. Oh, no. My my parents was never like, they were okay, cool so this is, my pops is a pastor now. Like, Okay, okay. He ain't always been a pastor. Matter of fact. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, and this is not. And this is my mom's husband. My mom remarried, so my okay. dad isn't a pastor. My dad is gotcha, in, the, gotcha. in the military. Gotcha. Uh, he still lives in Detroit, but uh, my mom remarried, and my pops have been in my life since I was two years old. And he, right. You know, they got married when I was seven, uh, six or seven. So mm -hmm. you know, he been there all my life, and uh, he became a pastor when I was eight. Gotcha. So, but I mean, he's like a recovering addict and all yeah, that. So yeah. we've been through all that together. So like, you know, they was never. They never gave the whole facade of we never made no mistakes like gotcha. i seen y'all smoking weed and i gotcha. like seen y'all get evicted and been homeless we've been homeless together so right. yeah we we grew up together we we kept at 100. they my, my pop's my biggest fan that's that's dope yeah yeah yeah. that's that's super dope to have that too especially mm -hmm. that that type of transparency man right, right yeah i think ultimately when a parent and, and we're both fathers so mm -hmm. right I, I think about some of the things like my dad, I, I would go on the limb and say my dad is probably my number one fan too because right. he supports everything. And mainly because I'm doing what he wanted to do. Right, you, right, right. You know, of like course. honestly, you know, yeah, so yeah. Um, I get his support on a lot of stuff and I think it is helpful when your parents support what you want to do. Absolutely. And also be there if the, what you want to do ends yeah. up not working like they're yeah, there to kind of scoop you up. You know what I mean? So I think that's super important for any parent that may be listening to this podcast. Um, Man, you blew my mind with that CeeLo story. I'm just, I'm just right, going to nah. tell you that. Like, yeah, that's... man, the Dungeon, the Dungeon family is definitely like, under 3,000 is a superhero in my mm -hmm. eyes. I, I definitely uh, model a lot of my characteristics, and uh, I just look up to him as a, a thinker, mm. as somebody who displays his art, but is still in control of his persona. Like, I don't let these people dictate how I'm going to move. I just get him what I have, like, you know... Um, and prayerfully you receive it how it's supposed to be. And he's just a he's just a great person to um, you know, look up towards when you're going through the storm of right. popularity and right. all that kind of stuff that come with this. Let, let's cut the BS though, bro. Like, do we want an outcast album or an Andre three thousand album? Do you want it as a fan? No, I want I want an outcast album. Want for an outcast sure. album. I want an outcast album because um it's just outcast and it's just a combination of like flavor and mm -hmm. swag with intellect and like consciousness right, that right. I don't I don't get the flavor and the swag when it's just solo Dre and I don't I, and you know they both can do both 
as well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But it's just like everybody keep arguing Magic. I mean, Michael Jordan versus LeBron. I'm like, they're not even in it's the same planet you, when yeah. it comes to a comparison. Yeah, there's dude, not even. Right. They, but it's basketball, so it's of course they're gonna hoop. But it, what am I picking? Do I got a point guard already? Right. Do I have right. a lead? Do I have somebody who can score the ball already? Because they're not doing the same thing. They're, they're two different types yeah. of players, and especially with that that LeBron argument, you know, for one, I always say like, give him time. He's still he's still playing. He's right. like, because uh, hypothetical, right? Right, right. LeBron win his last, last four years in the league. You win a ring. We're right. having a different conversation now, right? right like, right. I don't think he has to win anything else to prove anything. But if he was to just the last four years of his career just win a ring. Now we're we're like, it's goat, regardless of how you want to put it. Yeah, you man. Know what I, mean? I mean, and it's off the court too. Like, yeah, bro, it's just a lot so much in that shit. Bro. Like, we we just watching it. What it's it's equivalent to me, to like, I'm not a New England Patriots fan. I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but you gotta respect it. Like, got to nine nine Super Bowls, six six rings. Yeah, you gotta respect it. I don't know another team. I mean, in my lifetime that I've seen, like I, I grew up a Cowboys fan, and then I migrated to the Falcons. Right, right, right. But it's like you can't help but to just, like, nah, that's man, the dude, he great, bro. Like it is what it is. He great. You know what I mean? Nah, he's great. Good. And I think that you know, while you watching it, is just again, you just can't quite. I remember watching the last Kobe game. Like, damn, I'm tripping. It's over with. How did I even miss one game? This, right. this like you know what I'm saying? And I think that uh time is what teaches us that the treasure, like mm, that's man, true. you can't that's just true. be sitting here thinking that it's gonna last forever. Yeah. None of this. Not even Tom Brady, who've been doing it for 19, 18, 19 years, just watching Dirk and D Wade and right, all that right. stuff. This is stuff that I never thought would ever happen when I was a kid. And it's happening now. It's happening so it's now. Like, it's happening. You know, uh, I was just speaking on that earlier, even with rappers, like the Last two years been tough because rap is so young that the people who created it was still alive. But now when Prodigy and Five Dog and that's real, I'm just like, I don't want nothing to happen to DMX before we be like, bro. DMX is the most underrated rapper of all time. No, like, DMX what? is great. Let's go on record and say, and I, DMX but I don't is want great. nothing to happen to Lil Wayne or you know what I'm saying. Like I don't want this stuff to continue to happen. Before we be like, man, this is just this deserves what it is. It's genius. It's it's like in that same vein, right? And I love that we we get into some hip hop talk right now. Mm-hmm. But like, for me, I grew up as a Pac fan, mm-hmm. so I saw everything happening. And then when he died, I was one of those people devastated. Right. And even in the midst of that, I didn't realize how great Pac was. But now I'm 34, right? Right, right, right. And Pac died in what 96? Six, yeah, yeah, 96. So we are th- we, what 23 years later, right? You put on a pop record right now, and it still feels brand new. Oh my god, that's that's genius in itself, yeah. bro. To be able to create music that f- still feels good 23 years after you died, mm-hmm. and it lets you know, like, no, this dude actually had a real legacy. You know what I mean? And so you know, with with, with legacy building. Is that something that you think about when you're creating? Yeah, I think about what people are gonna listen to when I'm gone okay. all the time. Cause I wanted to mean I like it's when I think about that and I let that be what drives me, then I make the right kind of music. Because you can make some stuff that's gonna get you hot or get you paid or all that, but I mean, okay, so even if that lasts for the next fifty years, right. 
What about all the time after that? Like, we still talking about mm. Tupac right now. Right and now. we're going to talk about Tupac forever. Yeah. Because what he says is relevant to today. He clearly was thinking about us today. And um, with the time to appreciate it, we can listen to it with a different ear and we can understand exactly. It's like, while it's happening, it's just hard to get people to truly cherish because they, they think it's not going to end. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so true. That's so true, man. And, and being in... in like I always say, for me, I I understood. I remember. I'm old enough to remember how it was, but I'm also young enough to know how it is now. And so I'm stuck in the middle. So at times I get not discouraged, but I can get tight with how the music business is operating now because I remember a time where it was it it wasn't easy, but it felt easier just because you can get your foot in the door and you can actually work on something. Now you don't have to get your foot in the door. You can just you can just do it. And so it's great that anybody can jump in right. and do it. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's like anybody can jump in and do it. So for you being somewhere, and, and I'm assuming you're younger than me, but mm-hmm. being where you are, do you do you get a chance to, to, to get that discouragement of like knowing how things could have been? Or are you solely focused on what things are now? Um. Well, you. I mean, I think that the power... Uh, back then was so concentrated to the labels and the DJs at the club and at the mm-hmm. radio station that you would still have uh, obstacles to get over. If you weren't connected or plugged into the right people, then how were you even going to get to the radio mm-hmm. stations? And so now the internet provides the opportunity for us to reach the masses or reach a plethora of people without having to have a plug or a connection. So, you know, it's give or take. It's like, do I want to have to fight through the, the door handlers or do I just want to, like, stand out in the crowd? Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, it's going to be challenging. I don't know which one is better because I obviously didn't live through that era or have my career through that era. Um, but as of right now, I feel confident that cream rise to the top. And um, there's so many people out there in the world. So even if I don't do you know what Jay-Z is doing right now, you still can have, like, look at Tech 9 career. Absolutely. And I'm like, man, I... <laughs> That's- they, okay, oh, we on the same page. I'm, uh, you know, we on the same we page. Eating bro. good. Yeah, yeah, we on the same page. Man. Merch selling. Yeah, yeah, that's tour popping. Exactly. I can chill. I can go to Kroger still. Tech Nine can walk. Tech Nine can walk through Linux right now. Man, and he probably. I, and, and this is no disrespect, Tech nah, Nine. Nah, but you can walk through Linux right now, and you might have five people that walk and be like, "Yo, you Tech Nine," and they ain't gonna trip. Nah, man. But they, you know they'll be like, yo, this like currency, Starly. These my big homies for real. Fact. Scotty ATL, shout out to right. him. Like this independent Nipsey, you know what they've done is uh, show me that you know the label don't have the absolute say so like they had back then. Like back then, man, it was just a chokehold because the DJs belong to the label, the club DJs belong to the promoter belong to the label. It was a family tree, and if you wasn't attached to it, then you just wasn't getting no love. Like now, nah, if you hot. And you can create, you can find a way to navigate, create it, uh, you know, uh, then let's do it. Let's figure out a way to navigate and create it. But you can do it now. Now that you have the access to the Internet, you can build a studio in your crib. Right, right. It's just, you know, of course, everybody doing it, but everybody don't have that gift. And also on the everybody can do it. What I found is you're right. Everybody can do it. But who's going to keep doing it? 
Right. I mean, like who's going to continue? Because we know that this is a long haul game. There's no such thing as like overnight. Even the people you see that made it overnight, they did a lot of stuff leading up to that point. Yeah, man. So it's kind of like, like you said, the cream will rise to the top. You just got to be willing to keep going, keep going, keep going. Definitely. You uh, you spoke of Scotty ATL earlier Mm -hmm. in the conversation and you are now officially cool club. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm officially cool club. Uh, You know, Scotty, uh, Gave me an opportunity to open up for him on a couple of shows, and we worked together, and it was just organic. You know, we didn't have to go in and, like, sign my life away or anything right, like right, that. Right. It's just a situation where he's independent. He understands that uh, you got to put all the money up. Mm-hmm. You got to call the radio stations. You got to do that. And so he believes in me enough to say that, you know, whatever everything I built, um, obviously, you got to be the rapper. You got to go on stage. You got to put the records together. But when you build it, you can just put other people on that bridge. And that's what he's doing. He's giving a lot of artists opportunity. Um, and um, I'm one of them. I'm blessed to be in a circle of people who understand the independent game. Right, right. Um, so they walk with me, you know, knowing that that's what I want to do. And that's just like the equivalent of having a million dollar advance from a big label. Right, right. Because you can have that million dollar advance and sit down for three years and not get and not do anything. And not do none of that money. Right. And you're gonna have to pay that money back. Absolutely. So instead I have somebody who can show me how to get to this DJ, how to get these venues involved, how to get these radio markets involved. And then if I'm hot, I'm hot. And you know, and you know, I appreciate the opportunity that he's given me. Uh again, remaining independent is the goal. Obviously, I'm doing whatever I can do to feed my family, but that's the goal. So, you know, having somebody who's doing that and mm-hmm. has done it successfully is definitely a plus for me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I met Scotty, man, it's been, it might be like five or six years now. It was around like right when Faith, the Faith tape came right. out. And uh, we had him on the podcast back when I was uh, in an apartment. And we talked, it's, it's crazy to see, well, not even crazy, it's a, it's, it's refreshing to see things that you talk about mm-hmm. come to fruition because right. a lot of the stuff that he's doing now, he legit talked yeah, about. That's he's you know he's I mean? been telling us that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he talked about, y'all go and listen to the um, podcast with Scotty ATL. Uh, you just search the archives. But a lot of the stuff he was talking like, yeah, man, I want to have a team, have my own operation, what we're going to do, you know, set up our merch, all, all of this stuff yeah, we man. talked about. You know, and it's some, like, that. you know, hopefully I ain't giving too much of his business away, but it's definitely some big players that's like looking at what he's doing mm-hmm. and like, Seeing it because obviously you can go in with the game plan and showing them, but because he has like the gall to go do it himself, that's what they want. They want you to do it yourself so they right. can just be like, All right, now we're gonna put some money in so we can get the that's all that's all they want. That's do. all they, they, they just, I mean, because the truth is, the music industry, the artist development part is, is done with, yeah, it's right? done, man. So labels don't have time to invest years. And y'all here, that's my daughter that want to be on the podcast <laughs> in the background. No, nah, I understand um, it, but um. You know, labels don't have the time. They don't want to put the five years and $300,000 into an artist, like, building you up. It's like, nah. no, we kind of want you to be Especially ready Especially not with the internet, who, who is the free a and R's. Like, right, the internet right. going to tell you, the followers going to tell you, the SoundCloud numbers going to tell you. And so, right. you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, with me understanding that part, aspect of the game, I can go in knowing that until I have a certain amount of followers, until I have a certain amount of streams. They're not going to give me a fair chance anyway, so I might as well build my... Build that you know up. What I'm saying? And then when they come in, I'm like, okay, well, I want, I want this, that, and that. You I build already, the leverage. You know, I got leverage. So, you, you got know. the leverage. That's the most important thing. The leverage is the most important thing. And what you said earlier, 
is something that all artists should live by. Even if it all hits the fan, you built a base that you can go back to, that Please. you didn't abandon. Like, and that that's the the part that I think artists have to truly understand. Like, you got to build a base. Yeah, man. Like labels is cool, but you got to build a base. You know what I mean? And um, I know you got you got a show coming up uh, on the twenty second in, in Birmingham. Yeah, right, the right. lighthouse. Um. Hey, basshead jazz is on that. Basshead um, jazz. Uh, Josh Waters is Josh on Waters, there. Okay. Um, Vitamin C out of Mississippi. Shout out she's to Vitamin on C. there. Um, the Monastery out of Birmingham. It's a crazy band, a crazy group duo. They out of there. Like the new Goody Mob. And just, I, think, I think we're going to have them here pretty soon. Yeah, man. It's just very uh, grunge, like house. Okay. Rip, rip the house, rock and roll, and shaking dress. And it's going to be, you know packed out show in Birmingham and that's just what I've done is built these little pockets of right. people who just show up and show out every single time we're in the city you know and it's it's, it's good to have it this way because we're in full control like mm. we cut the lights on and cut the lights off when we want to and that's just I, I know a, a power that not a lot of people have once they get attached to a bigger entity man that's all right so okay here's what we've learned so far number one um he had an epic um, CeeLo story that uh, everybody don't have. You right, know what right, right. Um, we know that, you know, you, you, you from Mississippi, but mm. you, you learn through the internet. Really? Yeah, yeah, you man. learn through the internet. Traveling, internet, for sure. Yeah. And you know the importance of being independent and building a solid base, right. regardless of where you're going. Um, what else is like on the horizon for you. I know you just signed with Cool Club, and I'm assuming there's music in the funnel that that's um, that you're working on. Yeah, I, um, I'm releasing my single, Euclid Avenue, Friday, February 8th. Okay. And uh, I'm dropping my project, debut Cool Club project, The Lighthouse, on the 15th, February 15th. And uh, it's seven tracks. Um, and it's very much my introduction to like a bigger market. Like I've, gotcha. I've gotten to build my foundation make it concrete lay it down the 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 uh level the field is level you know what i'm saying we got good bricks we got good wood and all that and it's just now i wanted to build to where people are going to start seeing it mm -hmm. so i want to package it a little bit more professionally and i focused on making songs instead of just writing bars and it's, just, it's good i'm excited man this is like this is the first time i had a project to where i, I knew every song on there would be somebody's favorite song mm. Like number one is gonna be somebody's favorite song. Number two is gonna be somebody else's favorite song. All of them. The learning to make records as opposed to just rapping, um, I, I think that's something that's super important. I don't want to just like, you know, go go off off of that too quickly. Um, for you, it's somebody that who actually can rap. Like you really can rap. You rap very well. Um, how long did it really? take you to learn the importance of writing records versus just rapping it was a struggle <laughs> it was a struggle because you know i just love words i was a, been a poet all my life and mm -hmm. I, um you know reading i was definitely always reading books okay and just being able to travel you know if you can't go there literally then you can go there literally mm. you know I see so what he did right there that's yeah. <laughs> Those are bars, Those are bars you know. Rewind and listen yeah, to that again. Yeah, facts. So, you know, um, <laughs> so I, I did. I traveled a lot in books. And uh, 
So I just want to write so much, mm-hmm. and there's just so much going on in my head, and it's just like sometimes you can just beat people to sleep with lyrics, and um, so moving to Atlanta helped a lot because mm-hmm. obviously you're not even getting played if you ain't on a certain wavelength or standard out here. So it's just like, all right, I want to um, at least get my foot in the door. Right, right. And so, uh, and then Scotty helped me a lot with this. He, um, you know, heard what I had been putting together right before we got everything situated to, you know, together as far as me doing a project. And he was just like, man, this is just too hard. And that's what his first, his first response was, this is just too hard. It's too much. I don't want to listen to it again because like, I don't want to think that much. And I'm like, you know, I understand what you're saying. I was like, but it's a lot to think about and I don't want to be numb out here. He was like, all right, so you got to fool people. You got to make people feel like they're thinking while they numb. And I'm like, dang. So I'm just <laughs> like, I got a little bit more melodies. Mm-hmm. And it just, but I'm still saying the same thing. I'm still telling you to stay aware. That's all I'm trying to get people to do is just stay aware. I'm not telling you that it's Jesus or it's Buddha or Muhammad. I don't know. I'm just telling you, keep reading, keep researching. Right, right. That's, that that's some sound advice that Scotty gave you too because it's and don't get me wrong there's markets for just rap there yeah, are man. markets for just rap but we are in the record business mm-hmm. at the end of the day you got to figure it's a out business. Record, it's a business and you got to figure out how to make records some mm-hmm. kind of way you got to figure out what's going to make people continue to listen yep. and you know the best songwriters figure out a way to give you a message and be entertaining Right, Kendrick is great at it. Right, Cole is great at it. Absolutely, Ross, Jay, like a lot of people are great at doing it, and, and it, it is it is indeed a skill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely a skill, uh, but it's an important skill to have, man. Because <laughs> I mean, and I, I think, um, like you know, obviously everybody has a little talks about Drake and writing or whatever, but Drake does write, and he write a lot of his music, mm-hmm. and he wrote majority of his early music, like so far gone, October's mm-hmm. very own, and all those projects. And if you listen to what Drake was saying, like last year, when he was talking about if he would have remained conscious, like he had a very tough transition to wanting to be the best bar for bar mm-hmm. rapper to like understanding that balance. Right. I mean, and I mean, he still got bars because we still, I mean, I don't care what y'all say. Drake still, Drake has put bars on every album. He did. He did. It's just focused bars. Yeah. And now they are impactful. You know what I'm saying? When it does, when it's a punchline that's crazy, it's twisting your face. Versus if you listen to the Nas, you don't got time to twist your face because the punchline is every line. It's every line. And I just want to get in between there somewhere. You gotta find, you know you gotta find, that find me a pocket. You feel me? <laughs> and, and you know, some, um, believe it or not, one of the people that are great at doing that, mm-hmm. ironically, is, is Andre. Yeah, man, exactly. He's great at doing like. I, I mean, I'm an outcast stand number one. Right. But I'll say this: I don't think that Stacks have ever wrote a bad verse ever. Like nah, I really, man. I truly believe that, and I'm trying to be unbiased with it. I truly believe that. But he's also figured out ways to entertain you. Yeah. Educate you at the same. Like, time. Like, hey, y'all was just a time where I first started understanding. This is like Jesus walks. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see the top five songs at that time. I was like, what would I be without you? Jesus Walks. Oh, man. You were in the air. Hey, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mini Man, because that's on the same CD. Yeah, yeah. And Through the Wire, maybe, and like some other things. Like, um, And it just was a time where I'm like, okay, all of these are conscious fucking songs. They Y'all are. not understanding what I'm saying. This is conscious music. Kanye on Jesus Walks and Through the Wire and mm-hmm. 50 Cent on Mini Man. That's a conscious song. Yeah. It just was 
nursery rhyme consciousness. Yeah. And it's like, many men wish death upon me. I'm like, bruh. Like, think about that. Just like, I mean, it's, and you're right. That, let's see. That's, that's what, like such a serious line. A serious bar. Many men wish death upon me. Blood on my eyes, Lord, and I can't see. Are y'all not hearing this man cry out for help? These he people trying to kill him. Cry out for help. Kids, old folks, everybody is just humming along, uh -huh. unconsciously talking about a conscious concept. Yeah, that's that's the genius in it. And, you know, a lot of times artists don't get that type of credit because the melody will... Right. The melody doesn't make you think... It, 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 it's just like what Scotty said. Like, yeah, you, you got to have it dumb a little bit. You got to fool people. Yeah. Like, this melody is making you think that, oh, it's just singing. It's all happy. Like, read, go back and just read the lyrics. Right. Look, read the lyrics to that. Read the lyrics to Hey Y'all. You'll find out that Hey Y'all is something completely different. Facts, man. You just got to go and re read those lyrics. It's like really when you're a kid out. and they got the, the powdered yucky vitamins and then they got the gummies. You're mm -hmm. like, same thing. Same thing. But it's like I'm I'm busting the gummies up, man. I yeah. don't want to eat, eat that chalk. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean the gummies, but it's still the same thing. It's still the same thing. Same I'm getting thing. the same nutrients. You know, absolutely. At the end of the day, you understand. Many men is mm -hmm. wishing death on this brother. He trying to find a way out of this. This is where he come from. This is the concept of queens at the time and mm -hmm. how he grew up. And it's just available for you. You can eat it. It's just not steak the whole time. Steak, steak, steak right, the whole time. Right, like right. We're cutting it up. You know, we're giving you sides with it. You know, Sometimes you got to right. put it through the ground and make a burger, man. Sometimes you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so um, I'm glad that you understand that as an artist. And, and that's that's actually a sweet spot to understand that and and also be somebody that can can really rap. Yeah. Like, you, you have an advantage over people, whether you know it or not. Like, you know, once you get the understanding of Oh, I can I gotta trick people, right. but I also can rap really well. Right, like, right. That's a great position to be and in. And that's what I rely on on stage. Like mm. that confidence that I get on stage, just like at the end of the day, if I forget my words or if the beat stop, I still feel like I can rap. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, well if all else fails, I still got that, then I ain't really worried about failing. Cause just like whatever I go on, I'm gonna just drop some crazy shit. And mm. I feel confident in that. So it gives me the ability to go and work on other things like finding a pocket. Right, right. And um, learning how to make records, um, which is things that I want to do because, I mean, I want to be successful in this business. That's dope, man. So, look, shoot, I have this thing called Three Lazy Questions, right? All right, let's do it. So, I ask these questions. I just want you to give the first thing to come out of your come to mind. And you can okay. elaborate on it, but, right, you right, know, right. just the first thing. So, first question. Okay. Um, your earliest memory of hip-hop? Uh, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Uh, and when I leave it so greasy and then I squeeze in between it and I come through in a Rolls Royce. Uh, that's, uh, is that baller block? Leave it with no choice but to hop up in it and just let me make them Project check. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we sitting in my grandma's living room in Columbus, Mississippi and my right. older cousins playing WWE or whatever on the PlayStation and I'm just trying to be around, trying to fit in. I get mm. kicked out of the room. And I just remember my cousin uh, creating them. Um, a uh, wrestler on a game and he named him BG Baby Gangster and all that <laughs> and uh Cash Money was just that was like what seven years old 99 mm. or something seven mm. 98 or six so yeah something like that yeah yeah and uh I mean I remember Tupac and Biggie of course but I'm four or five years old and they mm. died so I was just like how much of it am I gonna be able to right, rec recollect right, right. on my own right all right question number two if you could change anything about hip-hop what would it be and why uh, I would change the uh, perception that older people don't rock with younger people or vice mm -hmm. versa. Because 
old is relative. This isn't True. country or jazz or <laughs> yeah, gospel. Yeah. Like y'all niggas is still alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> like, well, you know what I'm saying? What are we talking about here? Like, yeah. we just started this in the seventies. That's man, that's so true. That's so true. It's still young, bro. Still so young. it's like just don't, I think we're getting growing pains confused with mm, Okay. You know, disconnect. Uh, like there's this this is the cool thing to say. It's like you get on a radio interview, like, why the old niggas don't fuck with the young niggas? Yeah. It's like I know when I go out, old niggas is pulling up on me like, man, you I, I love what you're doing. And mm. I'm seeing other people who are doing hip hop like I'm doing. So right, it's just like right. if you don't like Little so and so or whatever so and so, you still can find artists to focus your energy on instead of downing and dissing them every single day. You can find the D Hortons or the Scotty, like people who are still making things that you can refer to back in the 2000s right, and 90s. Right, right. All right. So last question, we asked um, people. Now I just drew a blank on my last question. Um, so we had you, you told us your earliest memory of hip hop, and you told us what you would change if you mm-hmm. could. Um, Last question. Five years from now. Okay. Who would you want to do a record with? Five years from now, Five I would want to do now. a record with Andre 3000, Nas, and John Legend. Man, that's a nice, that's a, that's a wonderful combination. That's a yeah. wonderful combination. Man. I'm you know, speechless. We, That'll, we be <laughs> That'll be dope. That'll be dope. You know what I'm saying? That'll be like, dope. Uh, under 3000, just come in at the end and give one of his Frank Ocean, uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Creator disappearing acts at the end of it. Me and Nas just exchanging bars, mm-hmm. you know, verse of verse. I feel like Nas is the greatest lyrical, like, lyricist of all time. And, uh, you know, that's the standard for me. And just go verse for verse with him, John Legend singing something soulful. And then and then under three thousand just come in. I feel like Nas, Tupac, and under three thousand like uh, combined and created me. All right, so look, I'm gonna add an extra question on that song because okay. you came up with the record. Who right. producing it? Uh, no ID. Okay. Q Tip. No ID and Q-tip. and Q-tip. Yeah. No ID and Q-tip. Yeah. I like that. So we got dream the dream collaboration. <laughs> the dream collaboration with D yeah. Horton. We got three stacks. Nas, John Legend riding on the hook. All over, no ID and Q-tip production. Yep, they was in the room together. Ain't no sending no emails or nothing. Oh man, that's beautiful. That's <laughs> John that's Legend beautiful. playing the keys on top of that shit. Under three thousand playing electric guitar at the end. That's dope. <laughs> me, me and Nas just smoking weed, talking. We ain't writing no verses down. We just like you know whatever whatever you feel in your heart to say to the people. Tell them, but don't be afraid because I'm Nas. I'm co-signing you. That's gonna give me like oh man, the ultimate <sighs> confidence. Like, if Nas be like, nigga, I like your raps. Right, right, Then right. what can anybody else tell me? You dare. You dare. Right. But look, man, uh, I appreciate you coming through, man. It's Likewise. Been, this was fun, man. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate just you being here and actually getting a chance to learn learn more about you. you for know sure. I mean? um, let's do it again after the tape drop. When you let's listen do it. to the tape, for sure. Let's do it. Let's come back and talk about it. I definitely want to hear I want to hear more music. Mm-hmm. Um Tell the people how can they connect with you, social media, all of that. Right. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at KS underscore D Horton. That's KS, like king shit, underscore D Horton. On, that's Facebook and all that. Uh, you can go to www.davetherapper.com. That's my website. And, um, you know, if you just reach out to me on social media and all that stuff, man, I'll definitely reach back out to you. So, you know, it is what it is. Just hit me up. I don't, I'm not afraid of the people. I like right, to speak right. to everybody, so it's all good. For sure, for sure, man. Well, look, man, this is Last Name Good out of Straight Out the Damn Podcast. 
We're here with the homie DS Horton. We out. Let's do it, man. Brr.